Daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Locked On Nationals podcast here. Josh Neighbors, your host. Joining me tonight, it is Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Matt, appreciate you uh, coming on the show. We are now in the offseason officially, uh, staring down. Everybody wants to get excited. Everybody's thinking, well, you know, Scott Scott Boris is talking, saying things about what, what, what might happen, you know. But the real deal is we're staring at a lockout. That's kind of the, the square one, right? Yeah, I mean – we can get all excited for sure, but I don't think we're going to be seeing a ton of crazy movement uh, until MLB and the Players Union have a new CBA. And it's probably not going to come before the December 1st deadline. So we're, we're definitely looking at some kind of work stoppage. Now, whether that impacts the regular season, I don't think so. But, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be hashed out. So it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, and that's – and well, before we get to the lockout stuff, so Scott Boris had some comments yesterday um, and I mean, if anybody read them as anything except for like fluffing up his, you know, his, his guys, it's, it, it's, you know, they're wrong. Um, obviously the, the stuff that pertained to the nationals was the Juan Soto stuff, right? It was the, the fact that he said, we well, you know Juan wants to, to play for a winner. Um, I think most nationals fans retort that that would be, well, they won two years ago. <laughs> yeah, they won a championship two years ago. And obviously, um, you know, Scott Boris is aware of the, yes, he has some clients who are on that team, but you know, he's aware of how that team was constructed. It was older guys, right? It was a lot of old, you know, older guys and they're shifting into a new space now. Um, his job though, is to get the best deal for his client in the best situation. And I still think the best situation for Juan Soto is the Washington Nationals because they are at a place financially where, Money-wise, they can make the commitment to him that nobody else can guarantee they can make, right? Like there is – sure, there's some other teams out there, but the Nationals money-wise are set up in a place with the contracts coming off the books. They could they could make Juan Soto the half-billion-dollar man if they wanted to. Yeah, you know, he's definitely, uh, you know, the player that would be worth that kind of money, uh, you know, coming down to – his age coming down to the production on the field, what he brings from a marketing standpoint. I mean, he checks all the boxes. He is somebody, you know, who could be a Mookie Betts, a Mike Trout, a Francisco Lindor, a Bryce Harper, because he's worth, you know, that much more, not just because of his production, but everything else. Uh, you know, I, I think the comments from Scott Boris, they didn't really strike me as surprising. I mean, you know, even putting aside the fact that what player doesn't want to win, you know, the, the whole situation that the Nationals are in right now, where they're completely shifting their focus to building their farm system and, and building out from the bottom up, you know, that's not something that's conducive for a player signing a long-term deal. They want to know that they're going to be on a competitive team and not one that's stuck in a rebuilding phase. And when the results aren't there, like they weren't the season, like they weren't last season, you know, you, you kind of have to, as a player who's thinking about, you know, is this a 15-year contract? Like, you want to sign with a, with a team that is going to be able to compete for the extent of that uh, duration. And, you know, for Soto, that's going to come down to results. And, you know, it, it might not be something that happens this offseason. You know, I don't think that there's going to be, you know, one splashy signing or two that 
convinces Soto to mm -hmm. sign some extension. You know, it, it's going to come down to what this core that the Nationals are building of young talent turns out to be. And, you know, uh, coming into this this offseason, you know, it, it definitely seemed like it would be priority number one for the Nationals uh, to re-sign him and sign him to an extension. But from Boris's comments, it doesn't even seem like he's willing to go to the negotiating table right now. So I think that, at the very least, kind of signals the Nationals need to be all in on building around Soto and they can't afford to miss or they might miss out on, you know, a generational talent. Right. But but to me, the big thing is we saw last year, like he is so good that it makes it really easy to build around him. That's And that's something to me that, that stands out. It's, you know, if I'm telling if I'm talking to Scott Boris, I'm like Rizzo, I'm saying, look, you know, we brought in Kyle Schwarber and had Trey Turner and all it took was three guys and the lineup was gangbusters in June. And, and that's all it took. Like, I mean, that's that's really the selling point because if you pair him, you know, even if you don't pair him with good guys, the guy was almost won an MVP award. I mean, and and let's be honest, the second half of the season, the offense wasn't the problem, right? The, the you know, the, the pitching was. The, 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 the bullpen losing 41, 42 games, whatever it was. Like, he's so good to the point where you know, he doesn't have to be in a lineup like the Dodgers lineup or the, or the Padres lineup. You know, uh, guys like Bryce Harper, and, and he's definitely on the caliber, maybe even a, a better hitter than Bryce Harper. You know, we'll see what people think when these MVP things shakes out. But, you know, these guys can carry an offense. And I, the Nats aren't going to ask him to totally carry it, right? But we know that, you know, Mike Rizzo knows how to build a team. And so that's what I would say to him is, you know, what is – like where do you, you want to go to Dodgers? You want to go play? You know you can't go play for the Dodgers. Like money wise, it just wouldn't make it. It wouldn't work. Like you can't actually go play for the Dodgers. I don't think money wise they have enough money. So to me, I would just say like, hey, sit tight. Like we want to extend you, but we have some things we have to figure out first, right? Pitching contracts have to come off the books, you know, before we really understand you know what we're working with here moving forward. We're not making any big moves this offseason. I think the I think the re-signing of Alcides Escobar shows that they're going to move in a certain direction to me, right? They're going to, they're going to see where the young guys are. They're going to try to write out these pitching contracts and then, all right, what are the young core that we can keep? Okay. Now we build the Nats are two years away, really, in my opinion, for, or a year or two away from being serious contenders. But I don't think the serious contendership is something that takes a long time to build because you can start assimilating pieces along the way. No, yeah, you know this this 2022 season is going to be extremely critical for the Nationals in a lot of ways. You know, you obviously have the young players, as you mentioned, that are going to get the chance to prove whether or not they can stick at the major league level. But you also have Strasburg coming back off of injury. You know, him looking to show that he can still pitch a full season. You know, thoracic outlet syndrome is no joke, and it's something that a lot of pitchers have struggled with when they've tried to come back from it. So the Nationals are just going to have to take that as it comes. You have Patrick Corbin, who's you know still halfway through this contract that he signed with the Nationals prior to the 2019 season. And, you know, the, the Nationals would love for him to still be a contributing part of their rotation, but he's going to have to prove that he belongs because over the last two seasons, he, the numbers show that he's been one of the worst starting pitchers in all of baseball, at least among those who have been regular starters. Uh, so he's going to have to, you know, make some adjustments and, and take some step forwards. And, and then, you you know, you just have 
the farm system and the guys that are coming up that aren't even in the major leagues yet. You know, what what is Cade Cavalli going to do in his, his second season in the minor league level? Is he going to reach the majors? How is he going to fare there? Is Cole Henry going to continue to prove Jackson Rutledge? Can he come back off of the injuries that he suffered this past season and, and really put together a full healthy campaign? You know, there's a lot of questions up and down that organization, and they're really going to have to kind of figure out where they're going to go. And that's that next season is going to determine whether or not 2023 is a realistic target target or more of a pipe dream for them. And that's going to weigh heavily for Soto, for sure. But here's the problem I have. It's like, he's 23 years old. It's not like he's like 30, right? Not like 32. Like, I think he's a guy who can sit through a losing season or two, to be honest. Especially if they're willing to make him the half billion dollar man. You can put up a little bit of crap. And also, like, I, I don't think he's going to be out of the loop on the vision, right? There's no chance that he's out of the loop on what the team is trying to build. I'm sure he understands what the team did last year. You know, it's 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 a... But also, you know, 88 games won this division, <laughs> won this division this year. And you could make the argument if the Nationals actually kept everything intact this season, they would have been there. So it's not like it's some, you know, really far reaching, far attainable goal. I, I think a lot of what Scott Boras said is kind of being blown out of proportion. And also it's it's expected, right? I, like you said, like, was anybody surprised by that? I, I did enjoy the, you know, oh, my old Conforto getting so many calls. Everybody wants my old Conforto. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of teams are kicking the tires on him, but the interest to what extent, you know, we'll see. And we'll see with one. I don't think the extension's coming this offseason. That seems to be your thought, too. You know, coming into this offseason, I think that the Nationals are going to make an offer. I think they're, mm-hmm. you know, they have, they did last offseason. They tried to sit down and, and talk some negotiations. I don't know if a formal number was ever put in place, uh, but I think they at least try to advance things a little bit further than they have been. Now, whether or not Soto is willing to listen and whether or not they're willing to, you know, really hash things out, uh, you know, at this point, it's probably looking unlikely. But I will say that I think the Nationals are going at least going to try or at least, you know, you have to if you're the National. I don't, I don't know how you could possibly go through this offseason and not at least try to see if he's interested in working something out. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Let's talk about like the the, you know, the impending doom, the CBA, right? Um, these, I've mentioned this a bunch. What's your take on this? These two sides have not seemed to come to terms, uh, very easily, whether, you know, no matter who the characters are in the, in the plot, uh, whether it be the nineties, whether it be the, you know, the 2020s, the agreements are, are few and far between. So what are you hearing and what do you think in terms of a work stoppage and CBA negotiations? Yeah. Well, as we saw in 2020 for the pandemic shortened season, these two sides are not nearly, you know, close enough to uh, working things out. The relationship is as fractured as it's ever been. There's a laundry list of things that each side wants implemented in the next CBA, and each one is going to be used as a bargaining chip for the other. And, and that's going to take a lot of time to work out, especially between sides that have been so contentious and so willing to leak things to the media. I think that's just, you know, right off the bat, something that will show you just how contentious these things are. You know, it, if you're willing to work things out and you're, you're willing to meet halfway on certain things, you're not leaking stuff to the media. You don't want to give up that leverage. You know, you're, you're, the fact that we're hearing all of this publicly is, is a pretty bad sign. And, you know, it kind of quieted down over the past year after they, they got the COVID season going. You know, I think both sides had some kind of an agreement uh, to stop leaking things and, and try to work things out. But clearly, uh, as the deadline has drawn closer, think they've only grown farther apart in no negotiations. And, and like I said before, I don't think that it's going to end up impacting the season next year. Uh, we might have a shorter spring training. Maybe, you know, we, we get pushed back a week or something like that. 
Uh, but I think we'll still have a full 162 game season, playoffs on time, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of working through all of this stuff and, and trying to find some middle ground where there isn't a whole lot of it. Quick word here from our sponsors before we continue on with Matt. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in the game today. You go to built.com. That's built.com. You can check out all of their available flavors right now. There really is something for everybody. And as we head towards the holiday season, if you're trying to slim down some and not eat too much at Thanksgiving or at Christmas, Built Bar is a great substitute for a uh, dessert. Uh, one slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. That's on the low end normally if you're like me, like the you know the ice cream on top and uh, you know on top of the big piece of pie. But instead, I'm having a Built Bar this year, and they're 130 calories, only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Here's the thing, honestly, you can have a Built Bar in the morning, Thanksgiving, go for a little run, right? Go for a little run, a little jog in the morning, uh, and then <clears throat> you know you could have your uh, your your meal and have a Built Bar in the evening and not feel like you know your desserts were really compromising you too much. Built Bar is once again a protein bar and a dessert. It's all of those things. So go to built.com today. It's built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off today at Built. So you're an optimist. You, you do think that we're going to, you're going to be, you know, hey, I, I, don't worry. We're, we're going to see the full season. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, uh, the under on uh, if we were to put the start date a month late, I'll take the under. I'll say it happens before that. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. I just don't think. I don't think it's going to look clean because like we saw these two sides. I remember how bad Rob Manfred managed that. I remember he said, I'm hundred percent sure of the baseball. And then two weeks later he was like, uh, not anymore. Sorry. We're, we're going back on that. I mean, it's just the, these two sides have really struggled to do it. I will say this, like we can't be using the DH as a bargaining chip, right? Like it's just one of those things where you want, you know, if you watch the world series and I said this last show, I'll say it again here. Nobody was like, thank God Framber Valdez is up. You know, thank God we get to watch Ian Anderson pick up a stick and swing some. Like, it's the World Series. Nobody's there. Nobody's paying to see if Ian Anderson can get a double and knock in a run. It's not helping. It's not, it's not good for the product, you know? I always say this, like, in the NFL, they don't say, all right, two-point conversion, the punter has to play tight end. Like, nobody does that. Nobody actually does that. So where are you on that? Like, do you think that's going to be a bargaining chip, or do you think we're going to be like, all right, Good to go. We're rolling. I think it's definitely going to be a bargaining chip. You know, come on now, come on. Well, Why look, can't we just all, all get along. I, I like, I, I like National League baseball. I like the strategy of it. I know it's a tired take, and I know it's gone. Event, you know, it's going to be gone. We're we're going to see, uh, you know, the the DH in the National League. I just think it's kind of juiced baseball. It's it's changing the rules to create more runs, but it also protects player health, and I and that's where the bargaining chip side of it comes in. Is the players union needs it you know it creates 15 more jobs all in the national league for veteran players who you know are paying you it's a better product union. though if the pitchers aren't hitting it's it's a better visible product it, it, a better visible on the surface yes but i would say the intricacies of the game is lost when you do get rid of but the it's but it's an entertainment oh, yeah. product this is very true and and that's yes. why look this is not a hill i'm gonna die on like okay i yeah. have my my opinion <laughs> I, I prefer to watch it a certain way, yes, yeah. but I won't. I won't argue. You know that there's a ton of pros to adding the DH, no doubt about it. Um, but like I said, the Major League Baseball is going to use it as a bargaining chip because they know the players' union wants it, and MLB wants expanded playoffs bad. 
So I think that is going to be, you know, a kind of, okay, well, given poll right here, uh, get some more teams in the playoffs, get more TV, you know, big TV right deals, all that kind of stuff, uh, because that's what the cash is. And that's what really matters to baseball at the end of the day. Um, do you see the Nationals getting active? Because, you know, we saw Andrew Henney sign it. I think the reliever market is one space where maybe before we have the work stoppage in as 20 days now, or, but the, well, the, you know, the freeze um, in 20 days, the reliever market's the one kind of market where you could see some, you know, some movement because those kinds of deals don't really affect you in the long-term money side of things, unless you're signing an Andrew Loop for, you know, $30 million for three years, right? So do you think the, 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 the lever market, where we know the Nationals need to be semi-active, making the right kinds of moves, um, is that a space where you think the Nationals, we can see them be active? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going into next season with your closer supposedly being Will Harris, which is not really a position you want to be in, considering right. Elon Strasburg is coming off a thoracic outlook syndrome surgery. Uh, and you don't really know what you're going to have from him. Whether or not he's even ready for opening day is still probably a question that they have to answer. So that right there is, is something you have to address. And then, you know, we, we saw down the stretch, Kyle Finnegan's not a closer. I mean, I think right. he can be a valuable reliever, uh, but he was thrust into situations that he was not prepared for and he is not equipped to handle. And I think that, there are that's the case for several Nationals relievers and not to say that they can't be setup men or closers down the line, but this is a lot of unproven arms. You know, it's not all Wander Sueros. There's a lot of guys in there that really <laughs> haven't been around a whole lot. Uh, and, and the Nationals were having to throw them into situations where they were, you know, really put pressure on and we saw them falter in those situations. So I think the Nationals, at the very least, are going to want to get one to two relievers just to put in the back end some veteran guys where you can have this domino effect that, okay, we can still give a lot of these relievers that we see promise in opportunities, but they're not going to be the ninth inning in a one-run game. They're going to be, you know, the fifth inning uh, in a nine-to-five game where your starter got lit up. You know, that that those are the kinds of situations that you want to see them build off of because, you know, they're, they're necessarily low leverage. And that's that's how you're going to really build a strong foundation of a bullpen as opposed to just finding one or two guys that, you know, really are hitting the jackpot and automatically coming through in those eighth and ninth innings. One more pause in the action on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends from betonline.ag. If you want to bet on the on, you know, this, this MVP race, I know that the season's over or whatever, you can still bet on it right now at betonline.ag. It's your number one spot for basketball, football, baseball, hockey, F1, uh, boxing, UFC, whatever you want they've got there. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website they've got. Sign up today at betonline.ag. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. So if, if you deposit 100 bucks, get an extra 50 to play with today at betonline.ag. From basketball to football, baseball, uh, NHL boxing, they've got you covered. Even Vegas casino games as well. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Yeah, like Finnegan to me, and also Mason Thompson are two guys, like six through eight. That's that is where those guys can can be. You know, that's where you want them to be. And I thought last year was unfair to Kyle Finnegan, right? With what happened and and putting it well. Unfair in the sense of, like, that's not where he wants to be, but the Nationals had to have him there that with all the moves they made. But that's a guy that I think that like we know for a fact can pitch a 7th or an 8th, right? That's a guy that we know can be there. Mason Thompson has all of the looks of a guy who could be an 8th, and maybe eventually one day a ninth, right? Maybe, maybe that is, you know, his, his destination in the end. And like you're saying, 
Will Harris to me is the perfect example. So is Brad Hand. Of you know, sometimes man, signing these guys like it just it doesn't work out because it's such a crapshoot. We know with with what happens in the back of bullpens. I mean, I remember when Paul Seawall showed up for the Mets, and I was like, this is a fictional person. This is not. This is a created player. A fan jumped in the bullpen. They gave him a jersey, and his name is Paul Seawall. And guess what? He was awesome. He was awesome this year for Seattle, right? This guy who did a great job there. And we've seen guys like Tyler Clippard and Blake Trinan and Jerry Blevins, you know, have success and have struggles in certain places. It's just kind of the nature of the business. I think kind of finding those Kyle Finnegan's is where the Nationals might win because that was a guy, you know, that for them is just – they have control over for a while, right? You know, it's, it's a guy who's 30 years old and he's still under control. I think it's going to arbitration pretty soon, but still like those are the kind of guys they have to hit on. Are you kind of agree or do you think you can kind of splurge for a two for 20, you know, three for 18 type of guy? I mean, I'm probably not going to give any multi-year deals to relievers. I think yes. generally a multi-year deal for a reliever is a win now move. I mean, you are, you're paying for what you think they will be next season and you're giving them guarantees beyond because they're good enough to warrant it. You know, and, and you're not in a position to be going in and on the season. You know, you need, like you said, you need to see what Kyle Finnegan has. You need to see what Patrick Murphy, Mason Thompson, Andreas Machado. I mean, these are guys that that showed signs at, at different points this last last season. Ryan Harper's another one, you know. Maybe the Seth have, Romero, right? I mean, he needs to come along. Yeah, yeah. Be it, part of this thing at some of, point, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and Sean Nolan could end up in the bullpen. Eric Fetty might get an extended uh, look in the bullpen rather than having him jump back and forth between the rotation and, and, and relief core. So, you know, you've definitely got to leave room for these guys to to get those opportunities, but you just want stability. Uh, and, and you find somebody, it can be a one-year deal. It can be a little bit more high-priced. You could go for, you know, a, a guy who's been traditionally a setup man, but you're giving him a chance to close. Ryan Tapera and Andrew Chafin are two that stand out to me. Uh, in that regard, you know, who would not be very expensive, estimate between five and eight million uh, for next season. You give them a one year deal to be your closer. I think they jump at that. So, uh, you know, you find that veteran, somebody who is a good clubhouse guy, somebody who's going to be able to, you know, show the the younger guys how to do it. Uh, and, and then, you know, you get through next season and you really know have a better understanding of what the bullpen you have will look like moving forward. Last question for you, Matt, is do we think Zim comes back for one more year? I think he will, but I, I think the Nationals need to not, you know, if the Nationals look like they're going to lose 100 games next year, I don't think that Zim comes back. But if they right. make, you know, if they make at least one, you know, or two somewhat respectable signings, like, you know, they go get an Eduardo Escobar and a Steven Matz, right? You know, the two two solid veteran players who at least, you know, give the Nationals a chance on a given day. You know, I could see Zimmerman coming back for that. You know, he's 15, 16 home runs short of 300. He hit 14 mm. this season. So if he can do pretty much exactly the same thing he did last year, I think he'll want to do it, try to get to 300. Um, so, you know, it, it's definitely going to depend on how the Nats do. And just like last offseason, it's probably going to come down to very late in the offseason before he makes a final decision. But uh, I would say he's still firmly on the fence despite what we saw in that last uh, farewell game he had. Yeah, that part of it too. And also like he's having a kid too, which is, you know, the Florida's coming along. So you're like, man, to your point, do you want to come back and play for a team that's, you know, not necessarily trying to win at all? But I mean, I will say there is a certain value to the Nationals having a lifer, you know, lifer national, World Series champion, 
in a period of time where they're trying to find, all right, who are the real guys? Like if I'm like Rizzo, I'm talking to, you know, if I have Ryan Zerber next year, it's a guy who's, I'm having come in my office all the time being like, Hey, what do you, you know, are these guys part of a Corey? Like, what do you think? Give me your thoughts. That's a guy that has got so much knowledge. And to the knowledge end, what do you think about Ryan Zimmerman being the FP Santangelo replacement in the booth, maybe? Do you think that would be a potential? Because I, I don't see Ryan Zimmerman – like, it's it's tough to imagine him away from the Nats, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like he's always going to be kind of associated or near and around the Nationals. So what would you say to a Ryan Zimmerman, uh, you know, being the color commentator for the Nats? I don't think he'd ever do it. Uh, just his general attitude towards the media. Not to say that he's rude, but, you know, he's got that dry humor, uh, just this type shtick that, that he's kind of owned. And um, I think it could play on TV. It would be, you know, Nats fans would absolutely love it. They'd love it. <laughs> um, but but I don't I don't know if he'd be, you know, willing to go on the road trips and, and you know, cover a team, put in the work for a full season. Um, you know, maybe maybe five years after his retirement or something, but he's already. A, yeah, I, I would say he would need at least need like a year or two. Before yeah, he would do it, right. But he's already asserted a, a, st- a spot in the Nats front office. He has that as part of his contract uh, for his mm. last extension he signed, and he gets he's getting paid. He just said it on the radio yesterday. I think it was two million a year for the next five years after he uh, retires as well. So it is not like he's going to be looking for paychecks or anything either. So. Right. I would imagine that, you know, he, he kind of goes into more of a family life uh, after, you know, spends time with his kids, you know, spends time with his wife as he hasn't been able to as much as a player. Um, the booth is, is probably not where Sim's headed, but it would be awesome. I won't lie. Who, who would be your pick, though? For, who, who's, who's the guy you want to see? Everybody's saying Jason Worth, and I'm actually not as – I'm not as keen on that. As somebody as a broadcast nerd, like, I get that he's had his zingers and his moments. Mm-hmm. I don't know for, like, a nine-inning game. It's like – I want Jason. If that makes sense, I want Jason Worth up there in the booth. Yeah. What do you think? And where's your head at? What, what kind of person are you looking for? And are there any names in particular you, you want to see? Uh, the pl- the player, former player that I would most want to see in the booth, I think would be Denard Span. Uh, yes, yes, that's what I said. Let's go. He's, We're on the same page awesome, on this. Uh, yes. You yes. listen to interviews with him. He's a smooth talker. He, he's yes. he's kind of funny. Uh, you know good responses i think you'd have you know a good rapport with bob carpenter and and nats fans you know have, have always loved him and he's even said that uh his years in dc were his best time uh, of his career so uh you know if, if that were something that the mass and the nationals were to pull off i'd be all for it all right matt what are you working on right now where can people find you yeah i'm over at nbcsportswashington.com uh and on twitter at by matt wyrick uh working on general offseason stuff just getting ready uh, for this this long march uh, to spring training that we have ahead of us, so stay tuned for some free agent previews and uh, some deep dives on the Nats roster, things like that. Just got a lot cooking. Matt, always appreciate your time, man. Absolutely, thanks, Josh.